Section 48 of Riverdale Stories. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Riverdale Stories by Oliver Optic. The Do Somethings, Chapter 3. During the whole forenoon, the boys, about thirty in number, who belonged to the Do Somethings, were hard at work performing the duties which the society required of them. A dozen sleds were going all the time, carrying wood and provisions to the poor. Everywhere they went, they were warmly welcomed, and the best skating or coasting that ever cheered the hearts of boys could not have afforded them half so much satisfaction as they derived from these labors of love. Mr. Lee knew very well what would make them happy when he arranged all this work for them. He thought it would be a great deal better to have them carry the wood and provisions themselves than to send them by his teams. They could see the people on whom they bestowed their bounty and witness the effect which it would produce upon them. It is true the plan gave the boys a great deal of hard work to do, but he thereby taught them to work for the poor and make sacrifices for them. It is not much for a boy or girl who has plenty of money to give a few cents, or even dollars, to the poor. And if the gift is not bestowed from a real desire to do good, it does not benefit the giver. At Mr. Lee's suggestion, the committee had purchased four cords of wood, which had been put in a barn, and there sawed and split, ready for use. In the back room of Mr. Lee's house, there was stored a great quantity of provisions, there were small bags of flour and meal, baskets of potatoes, meat, tea, and sugar, all ready to be carried out by the boys. Before they ate their Christmas dinner that day, half of the wood and nearly all of the provisions had been distributed, and their labors carried peace and plenty to many a home of pinching want and poverty. There was still twenty dollars in the treasury of the society, and the committee to collect were just as busy as ever. The president had a list of fifteen families which they were to assist. Every Wednesday and Saturday afternoon, no matter how cold or how stormy it was, the boys might have been seen dragging their sleds loaded with wood or provisions through the streets of Riverdale. The society did something more than provide fuel, clothing, and shelter for those in their charge. John Grover's little girl got well, and they went to the doctor to pay his bill. But he was a Christian man, and did not charge anything. In another poor family, a little girl died, and the society not only paid all the funeral expenses, but the children carried flowers from the greenhouses to deck the little marble form for the grave, and sang a sweet hymn around the little coffin before it was lowered to its resting place. The Monday after Christmas was the first day of a new term at school. Many of the scholars were promoted from lower to higher classes. Among these was Robert Grover, a lad of twelve years of age, the oldest son of John Grover. He was a very good boy and an excellent scholar. He was promoted from the second to the first class. When the teacher called his name, he did not seem to be pleased as the other pupils were. On the contrary, he looked quite sad and gloomy. He lingered behind the others when they were called out to take seats in the first division. It was clear to the master and all the scholars that he did not wish to be promoted. 
Come, Robert, said Mr. Swan. We are waiting for you. I don't want to be promoted, sir, said he, and those who were nearest to him saw that he could hardly keep from crying. Don't want to be promoted, exclaimed the master. Why, Robert, I am astonished. You are one of our best boys, and one of our best scholars, too. If you please, sir, I had rather not be promoted. Why not? I don't know, sir, he replied, looking upon the floor. I had rather stay in the second class this winter. That is very strange. You are better qualified than any other scholar in your class to be promoted. Do you really wish to remain in the second class? Yes, sir. I will let the matter rest for a few days, said Mr. Swan, who could not understand why Robert wished to remain in the second class. He thought there must be some good reason for this singular desire on the part of the boy, and he intended to speak to him in private about the matter. As Robert was a good boy, he was deeply interested in his welfare, and wished to do everything he could to help him along. "'What do you suppose was the reason Robert Grover did not want to be promoted?' said Edward Gray to some of the boys at recess. "'I don't know,' replied one of them. "'It was very odd of him, and I can't see through it,' added another. "'The last time he was promoted he was as glad as any fellow I ever saw,' said another. "'I heard him say last fall that he meant to be in the first class next term,' continued Edward, "'and now, when the master says he may go up, he don't want to go.' "'I see it,' exclaimed George Howard suddenly. "'There is a hole in that millstone anyhow.' "'What is it?' asked Edward. "'Don't you see through it?' "'I do. It is just as clear as mud now.' "'Well, what is it?' "'It is a case for the do-somethings, anyhow.' "'What is?' "'Can't you see it yet?' "'I don't. Robert is a first-rate fellow, "'and it seems very odd that he should want to stay in the second class. "'What is the reason?' "'Don't you see that the books which the first class use "'will cost a heap of money, and he can't afford to buy them?' "'That must be the reason,' replied Edward thoughtfully. "'But the do-somethings can help him out of that difficulty.' "'Of course they can, but they must be very careful how they do it, "'for Robert is a great deal prouder than his father. "'He wouldn't take anything from us, I believe, "'unless it was to save his own or his parents' lives. "'We will talk it over at the meeting of the Society next Wednesday.' "'Presently the bell rang and the boys all went into the school.' but i think that during the rest of the forenoon several of them tried to devise a plan by which robert could be supplied with books without hurting his feelings george howard was a very ingenious boy and in twenty minutes after the pupils came in he got five checks for suddenly rapping his desk with his fist the fact was george had got an idea and when it struck him he could not help striking the desk which it was not proper for him to do in school time. And the idea was so big that he had to strike a pretty heavy blow, which startled the master and all the scholars. Boys with five checks had to stay fifteen minutes after school, and George happened to be the only one who had to remain that day. He was generally a very good boy, though sometimes a little roguish. 
"'You haven't begun the new term very well, George,' said Mr. Swan, when they were alone. "'What made you strike the desk so hard?' "'I couldn't help it, sir.' "'Indeed, couldn't you?' "'Then we must put you in the stocks. "'You are a dangerous boy to be at large "'if you can't help striking such heavy blows as that was.' "'I was thinking, sir, and when the idea struck me, "'I struck the desk. "'If you are willing, sir, I will tell you all about it.' "'Mr. Swan was willing, and so George told him "'why he thought Robert Grover did not wish to be promoted. "'He also stated his plan for supplying him with books.' George's five checks were taken off, and his plan was adopted. End of section 48, recording by Scarlet, Louisiana.